UFOs, Bigfoot, paranormal input. Go ahead now, get mystical. Mystery and magical. UFOs, not typical. Bigfoot, not typical. You ask me why I'm skeptical. I say questions are questionable. Is the truth alien to you? Alien to get my message through. Aliens might message you. Aliens are sliding through. The wild signal we're plotting to. Algorithms they find is true. Typical. Skeptic. Shut Got no time for no petty germs, pandemic, a pandemic turn, horror still in Amityville, Bayonet in Gettysburg, Mothman, TNT, Factory, Red Eyes, Loki, Dogman, Howling in the Street, I'm typically skeptic of what I see, Voodoo Hoodoo in New Orleans, Thunderbird, Swamp Thing, is it real, I was wondering, typical, skeptic, show, typical, skeptic, show. They can go to, yeah, that's the best way. They're all up there, easily viewable. On I'm just going to hit my channel. logo real quick, my intro, and then we'll start. The Guys, welcome back to another episode of the Typical Skeptic Podcast. Um, this we came up last minute. Uh, we had this scheduled for a while, but like I decided to do it live last minute. So if you guys don't tune in now to the live, you can tune in later. Who I have with me is someone who's been capturing real UAPs on film, and you can you can see this all on his YouTube channel. He has the evidence. I we didn't have enough time to put it together to where we could show his videos on here. Plus, you know, YouTube like kind of frowns on that. So, but who I have with me is Mark Fiorentino. Today, he's going to be sharing his views on how the universe really works based on his study and research of Einstein's unified field theory. Um, but he also had a project lately. I shared it with you guys. It was called Project UAP Skyhook where he had a camera hooked up and he was basically capturing UAPs. And it's just really fascinating because he was actually able to get some real UAPs, some that weren't just like planes or unidentified stuff. So um, a little, uh, yeah. And um, Mark, thank you for joining me. How are you? Uh, thank you. It's good to be here. So but what, what made you start the project UAP Skyhook? And like, can you talk about how you, how you did that? Well, uh, working with a fellow named Les uh, Duran, and um, he, he's been doing this for a, a while, and um, I was curious. He contacted me and uh, wanted to uh, work together or show me stuff and so forth. So I went and I uh, conversed with him. We still talk. Uh, we worked for a month on the project. I captured... Um, the sky over uh, where I live here in Winter Haven, Florida. And what I did is I took a camera, a, um, what do you call those? A GoPro, you know, they're capable of, of kind of a nice wide angle to them so I can get a good chunk of sky in there. And it's got like up to 5K um, resolution. So there's a good chance I got enough resolution to catch something that's way up there in the atmosphere. And uh, I had hopes of getting a close-up at some point, but that doesn't happen too much in the daytime here. Nighttime is a different story. 
Now, I, I haven't figured out a way where I could do nighttime yet. What I've tried to do is set a sensor up, basically a digital compass, and leave it on at night. And uh, as I wake up, and I wake up a lot during the night, I check it out. If it's deviating from its uh, pointing north, odds are there's something up in the sky overhead. It's especially there's two types of uh, UFOs, the ones that are magnetogravitic, which is the ones that I would get uh, or sense with the compass or the electrogravitic, which probably will not be sensed with the compass. Um, now, and, and, and I have a question. In layman's terms, what do those mean? Like, what what is the UAP like? What characteristics is it um, exuding for it to be magneto or electrogravitic? Yeah, uh, magnetogravitic means it's using uh, for its anti gravity uh, field. It's using high powered magnetic fields, very high powered. That that go way out beyond the spaceship or, or the space vessel. And um, I'm working on a paper now that's going to explain that because I've been doing some experiments with anti-gravity and made some discoveries in there. Even though the measurements weren't really anti-gravity, the way they fell into play and the got me to stop and think about how anti-gravity must work. And I started doing some more research and uncovered a big mistake in the history of physics. And with that realization, I, I realized that, yeah, not only can you do uh, flying saucers or make flying saucers that fly with high-powered magnetic fields, uh, it has to be configured in a certain way, or a North Pole uh, facing up, I believe, is what, what will work, and a South Pole facing down. Uh, but the electrogravitic uses uh, Thomas Townsend Brown's technique, which is high, highly uh, charged capacitors with huge voltages. And again, that forms a field, a, um, a dipole field, uh, where if you have the anode up and the cathode down on the on this configuration, it'll have upward thrust and a cancellation of the gravity. But it's also making gravity on one end, as is the magnetic field. Uh, so both really work the same way. And you just need a lot of energy to do this. So... This is what I've discovered over the years of research of trying to find out exactly how they do this, how they fly around with no propulsion system that we can see, no jets, no rockets. They're obviously buying, biasing space. And, and it's, it's time for the world to wake up and realize this thing that's been thoroughly covered up by the United States government and its allies. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, do you think some of them are ours or do you think they're all E.T.? I at this point, I know some of them are ours. Now, how do I know that? Uh, I was contacted by somebody who wishes to remain anonymous, who saw one of my shows, has read my book. And this person was so moved by what he read, he contacted me introduced himself, gave me evidence to prove he's a legitimate guy. He works for a 
the government type thing. <laughs> and um, he and his friend, who will both remain anonymous, saw a UFO out in the desert back in the 70s. Now, what's unusual about these guys is they got close. I mean, within touching distance close. Uh, they were able to walk up on this very small UFO, about the size of a Volkswagen uh, Beetle, and, and they were able to see the markings on it. And they saw UFO, uh, not UFO, they saw U.S. Air Force experimental. And just as one of the men was about to touch it, it started to vibrate, and they could hear this rolling sound in it. And they jumped back away from it, and this thing took off. And it took off at a great rate of speed. It wasn't an airplane, wasn't a helicopter, not a hot air balloon. This thing was had anti-gravity capability. And the United States Air Force built it. So I know for sure they have it. So by now, that was in the 70s. Now, nowadays, we're seeing they probably have a fleet of these. What they had to do in order to build UFOs successfully, if they're using the magnetic type, uh, is they had to have accomplished something in the in the realm of uh, metamaterial, not metamaterials, um, that wouldn't hurt, but that's a different subject, um, but uh, a material for superconducting wire uh, that's needed for the magnets. So my guess is superconducting uh room temperature superconducting wire has been discovered and it's been classified and they have to have a power system capable of several megawatts of power so they've apparently accomplished this these things by reverse engineering engineering ufos and whatever help they've probably gotten to whatever aliens they have contacted you know all that's been hush touch all there's disinformation going around. So the public in general, we, we're clueless as to really what they have. All I know is for sure they have the technology. How many uh, do they have a fleet? I don't know. But some of these recent sightings where the Navy has spotted them and so forth over the Atlantic and the Pacific, they could be ours. Um, it's hard to tell. Uh, but that's that's my thinking on, on what's going on right now is that, yes, most of the ones we see in the sky are from other worlds, but some of them now are probably ours. Yeah. And that 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 makes me think about the, the TR3B. Have you ever looked into like the claims of the TR3B and what are your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, that I've looked into it a little bit. Um some people claim that they have seen this uh, in the sky. Um, there's been triangular shaped UFOs now for decades. Um, I, I saw one and I wish I had a camera because this one took my breath away. It was came over actually over my house and I would say it was up about three, two to 3,000 feet. And this thing was monstrous. It was huge. Many football fields across. And it took my breath away when I saw it. And, you know, I'm in the backyard, just happened to be, you know, in there looking up as I do every night. I take a break, 
you know, from watching TV or whatever. I'll go out and look up and see if I see anything. And I'm screaming at my wife and daughter who are at the computer in this room that I am now to come out and look because I needed somebody else to see it besides me. I didn't have a camera ready, which I, I now have four cameras ready <laughs> just in case it happens again. But these these sightings are rare. They happen here in Florida, and Winter Haven gets one, a low-flying UFO, I would say every 10 years ago or so, we have an, uh, a sighting. Uh, I saw another one in front of my house, but that one was a triangular-shaped, gigantically-sized UFO. It wasn't even flying in a way that you would expect it. You know, It was going sideways, so the front end was not moving forward. It, the side of it was going forward, and, and and that looked a little queer, but that's what it was doing, and and that and it's drifted over the house silently, not a noise was heard, and it just uh, drifted off into the horizon uh, fairly rapidly after that. But um, unfortunately, my wife and daughter couldn't hear me screaming outside, <laughs> and they didn't get to see it, but you know. If you keep looking up, and I recommend to you people to keep looking up at night, especially at night, you'll never know when you see one. I, I saw one at Epcot during the day, and, and people are oblivious. They're all walking around, looking here, looking there, and all this stuff. And above them, uh, up in the clouds, was a little silver ball uh, floating in the sky. And, you know, I'm looking at it, and I just say, well, well, you know. Again, I wish I, you know, I had a camera ready, but uh, I've learned my lesson. Now I have four different cameras, uh, infrared, uh, a regular camera, a phone camera, and uh, the the newest one, the GoPro. But it, it really has trouble ca capturing night images. It's, it's, you need to. How's the infrared for UAPs? Is, do you really it, see a difference with the infrared? It, oh. Yeah, you can, but it's focal size. It's uh, you know millimeter size. It's it's um, it's a tight. It's not a wide angle, so you gotta see something, and then you gotta point it right at it. And it's got a little bit of zoom capability. And then in the infrared mode, you, you can make out even if it's low light because it can pick up the stars. Even when you can't see them, I can point that at the piece of the, the sky here. And because of the light pollution and everything, I don't see many stars. But with this thing, it's you can see stars, you can see satellites. So you could see one if it's way up there high. Uh, yeah, I got um, the Equinox um, by Bushnell. And uh, that. You have to turn off the infrared light. There's no sense of using the infrared light. That's for watching game on the ground. Turn that off and you just use the infrared sensor and it will give you good pictures of the sky at night. Uh, unfortunately, it's such a narrow field of view that it's not really, you know, I would like to leave it on all, all night and, and looking at a piece of sky, but it would be such a small piece of sky it would not likely catch anything. Uh, yeah, I'm going to tell you, I, when you when you mentioned Les Durant, I've had him on my show. He told me that he was working with you. And and, yes. and like, 
when he showed me his evidence of UFOs on, on what, you know, like what he had, it looked so small. Like it was like hard to tell if it was really a UAP or not because, but I like Les. I think he's awesome. I think well, he, he has is good a evidence. very like, nice fellow. Very nice. He fella. really is. I, I enjoyed really cool. working with him and I encourage him to keep, keep doing his thing. He taught me a lot of different things about the software and the hardware and everything. And I was eager to learn that stuff. And it was very good, useful stuff, even about how to stream multiple uh, views and cameras or, or applications all at once to the internet, which was very helpful. Uh, and uh, we may work together again at some point, but at, at about a month's time, we were not really seeing anything. And I was putting, I put a whole month's worth of time and effort into this. And I, I needed to be writing this paper. So I had to just at some point just stop because we weren't seeing anything anymore. We, we caught some stuff right away in the first few days. And then there was just a long drought. And I, I just had to make up my mind to say, okay, you need to get back and start doing this other stuff. Yeah. So he's been doing this for quite a while. He, he's a good guy. And, um, I hope he can. I'm sure he'll keep doing. He's also doing, you know, checking out with his equipment. He's got a lot of equipment that can sense ghosts, and and uh, he's got which I got now, which I, I intend to use for sensing and making measurements if a UFO flies over. It's a tri field meter, which is the, measures the electrostatic field or the magnetic field. Uh, kind of a low, low frequency DC kind of a uh, field sensor, which is what I would expect would work best for detecting not just spirits and that stuff, which I, I'm not really into. That's not my area. Uh, I am into spiritualism. And I certainly know that there's an afterlife and I know that there are spirits and, and ghosts, if you want to call them, but the spirits I concern, I'm concerned with are angelic, like the, the guardian angels, the guardian spirit, spirit guides, and that sort of thing. I don't go to but houses. Didn't you have a, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Did, I was going to say, didn't you have a near-death experience or something that, that, that or, or, or no, you, you had experiences with psychics, right? It was that what kind of got you into of, this? Yes. Uh, that's what got me, uh, definitely partially got me into this it was a, a number of things my interest in einstein as a young boy uh an interest in, in unified field theory then an interest in ufos and then uh the i met the psychics when i was 19 or 20 one of the two years there and um that first psychic as an afterthought mentioned something that was really important that said I was going to make some great discovery or write a book or, you know, become famous for doing something, but didn't tell me, told the guy that came in after me. And then when we got in the car and left, he told me what she said. And so I couldn't ask her and get any more details. That's probably why she did it the way she did. And um, then psychics thereafter kept bringing this sort of this future strange prediction uh forward again and again uh, they also said three of them said the same exact words in your final years you'll be a spiritual teacher uh so why would that be i don't you know 
I figure, you know, who's going to listen to me about spiritualism or whatever? Uh, something big has to happen for that to happen in, in general, I would think. So there is a life plan that has sort of been revealed to me over the years and working with psychics as I still do now. Some of the things, the, the one of the last psychics I talked to spoke about were so fantastical. I just don't even say them on the air. It, they're not believable. But she claims that these things are going to come to pass. And um, so all I can do at this point is just keep going forward, trying to execute my life plan to make sure what the first one said, and hopefully even what this other one said, comes to pass because mankind will benefit greatly if I can finally bring into this realm uh, anti-gravity technology. There are so many things we could use it for to fix or develop. Uh, we, we have problems in the Earth's core we, we're not you know, able to address that are very dangerous, which could result in some catastrophic results if we don't have a, a another place to live just in case we're in trouble so the way i see it we desperately need anti-gravity technology and faster than light technology so we can colonize somewhere else so i'm putting a lot of energy and effort into that now so i've, I've yeah. left the, well, i'm sorry go ahead i've left the project sky skyhook for now I may do that eventually. I may kick that in and start filming the sky again. What I was really hoping to see was a close-up. Uh, that's the kind of evidence we really need at this point. You know, not the little blips. Because you can argue they're this, they're that, whatever. Uh, only if they move in a certain way. And and even then, it, it, it you know, it's it's hard to say what they are, but. Uh, we need some good close-up shots with all these people with cameras. How can this not happen? <laughs> how can we not see the structure of these things a little better than we've done so far? It's, uh, I think, probably a good part of that is because the good pictures have been confiscated by the government. I think there have yeah. been some in the past, uh, but most of the things where, where we get enough detail to say, oh, that's definitely not an airplane. That's definitely not a hot air balloon. Uh, most of those are, are grabbed and confiscated. And then we, you know, we still don't have the evidence. We got a question from the audience. What's well, more like a comment slash question. I thought this would be right. This, this would be good because we're talking about anti-gravity. She says, Stephanie Padgett says, so the UAPs are anti-gravity. They seem to teleport in a way. One second they are here and the next fraction they are second they are way over there. So, so fast. Yeah, yeah I'd like to say something about that. It's a good point. Uh, one of the videos that's on my YouTube channel, just look me up, Mark Fiorentino, uh, uh, YouTube channel, Super Relativity. Um, and you can get a link from my website, www.super-relativity.com. On my YouTube channel, I have those videos, captures of the UAPs over my house. One of them, the most dramatic one, number four, it looks just like what she just said. They just sort of, it's, it's as if they, in my opinion, they dropped down from deep space and became visible. 
you know, they didn't come from the edge of the screen and show up, they, and then they went off. So it does look like they're coming through a portal or they're coming from the upper, upper atmosphere and then become viewable when they get to a certain elevation. And then they shoot off in different directions really fast. So there is some, I am absolutely sure, UFOs that are interdimensional and that that's how they travel. They travel, you know, from one point to another by leaving this dimension, entering another dimension, which has a different um, grid system, uh, metric, and, and they can jump great distances or jump in time any number of ways and show up somewhere else. So this is a highly advanced technology, millions of years ahead of us that um, maybe we know something about. There's rumors that the U.S. has also got portal and time technology. Uh, and uh, we may know something about that as well. I talk about that in my book, uh, how, to, how to actually build one. You need a metamaterial, which we now have. By Wait, something. when you talk about that, what were the people that might not know? Because I'm, I'm not too familiar. What is metamaterial? Well, it, it, it's something actually I learned about from the psychic, uh, Tamara Richardson, uh, who I, was telling me all these things and why I was sent here. And, you know, I have this mission and so forth. Well, she said, you know, uh, and I was still writing the book. I hadn't finished it yet. And she mentioned, well... They're using, um, well, she used the term. They, they do have time, uh, you know, stargates and, and time dimensional portal type things going on in, in the government. They have that technology and they have, uh, they're using metamaterials, but she didn't use the word metamaterial. She used another word, um, fractal lenses i never heard of fractal lens i don't know where she got that from i you know so i says okay so that's a clue i'm gonna write a thing on interdimensional stargates and and so forth and i i have a clue that they use something called fractal lenses that's that's what the other side's telling her to tell me so I says, okay, I'll play that game. So I went home and I looked up fractal lenses. And sure enough, this thing does, exists. And, you know, there's guys on the um, website, a research gate, which is a, a portal for people who write research papers, technology and all this stuff, who claim they have created a metamaterial, left-handed material, and the, basically what this material does, they arrange the molecules and the atoms in the material so they drop permittivity and permeability to zero. Why is that important? Well, it's a pretty handy thing because in my research, I learned that if free space has properties called permittivity and permeability. They're measurable. Uh, you go way out in the middle of the space with the equipment and you measure it and it'll, it'll have so much permittivity and perm so much permeability. And these two things are basically control how electrostatic fields form and magnetic fields form and, and how much resistance there is to them forming. Um, 
And why is that important? Because James Clerk Maxwell discovered that the speed of light, C, equals 1 over the square root of permittivity times permeability. So why is that so important? The speed of light is determined by these two properties of space. What happens is where they are in the equation, if they become smaller numbers, and they're already really small, they go to zero, the speed of light goes to infinity. Now, if you can control space so that you can drop the uh, permittivity and permeability as in that material, you can use it to shine light through it. And these guys are claiming they've shined light through this metamaterial and it goes infinitely fast, just like the equation predicts. And of course, the physicists are all arguing, that can't be, that can't be, that's, there's a mistake, there's, you know, they got all these excuses for it. But it, it's handy because when I started writing the chapter on Stargates, I, I knew one thing for sure something is going to have to go faster than the speed of light. And I state that in the very beginning of the chapter before I even knew how I was going to work on figuring it all out. That thing I knew because you needed to accelerate a particle like the photon beyond the speed of light. So it's so tiny, so small, high frequency that it causes space to oscillate around the framework of the of the stargate such a high frequency will open a portal to another dimension or another time and if you use laser light what happens is the laser light shines into that the light moves to you know, super high speed it compresses to an ultra high frequency and you got just what you need to build a stargate and to open a portal so her clue works out so now you know what metamaterials are and why they're so important. Also, they're used in a lot of hulls of spaceships. Uh, some people are claiming, you know, the crashed UFOs had a metamaterial on the outside, which also makes sense because this will offer low resistance when it goes at high speeds. And you need that so it doesn't develop inertia. Uh, and um, that's critical if you're going to go near the speed of light or beyond it. And these UFOs uh, that we're seeing now, especially I would say the uh, ones that look like the cylinder shape motherships, they're using uh, metamaterial and uh, they're breaking the light speed barrier by tens of thousands of time. And they do that by reducing the permittivity and permeability of space by using high-powered magnetic fields or high-powered electrostatic fields. See, it all makes sense. It all links, it all connects into a sensible technology that can be used to get us to the other stars, not in years. Now, light speed is way too slow. I'm talking minutes. I'm talking getting to Proxima Centauri 4.2 light years away in 15 minutes. Now that's usable. That's practical. That's what needs to happen when you build a starship. You can't just go at the speed of light. And the and the slip wave that I talk about in my book, which is now evolved to slip wave 2.0, details in high explanation, high detail, 
how to build an emitter that will do just that and give us the earthlings the the ability to travel into the stars wow this is fascinating you know what i just thought of mark i, I was thinking if these uaps are really from somewhere else they wherever they're from it must be the the elements or the physics must be similar to what we have here if they're able to use if we're able to, if you're able to tap into what they're doing, like if yes. we're able to use terms like permeability and like, like you said, like wherever they're from, the, the conditions must be somewhat similar to ours or not. The laws of physics in these, in this universe are the same everywhere. Einstein discovered that special relativity, all of that, that, that works in our favor, but there's a bigger picture. Um, when you start to mess and messing with biasing space, then you're actually changing the laws of physics, right? Like one of the laws of physics is that the speed of light is constant. Well, it's not really, not if you change space. And so suddenly, you know, you can, uh, by biasing space, you can change it, its metric, then you, you have access to other dimensions where the laws are different, uh, less dense dimensions, higher frequency dimensions, uh, which near-death people talk about existing all the time. And it makes sense. The creator himself, why would he just limit himself to one universe or one planet uh, to put life on? Uh, it's an infinite being, the creator and so there's uh, infinite numbers of universes created, uh, different characteristics and such. But in, as you said, in this universe, you can bet on the laws of physics being the same everywhere. And only way to get out of that is to leave this universe and enter into the superverse, which is all of the universes and dimensions Pre, you know, existing in parallel together. And, and that's a much bigger picture that the people of Earth have, you know, are just now beginning to wake up to. And psychics know about it. Uh, and near-death experiencers, uh, some of them are granted information on this topic and are coming back and saying, yeah, there's more to this universe than you've ever imagined and certainly more life everywhere and it's a much bigger picture and we have to wake up to that here on the earth that's the truth that's the reality that's been just basically covered up and uh, so much disinformation even coming from religion as well as from science uh, are teaming up to really keep us kind of in the dark and uh, we need to get more spiritual. We need to, to acknowledge there is a creator. And uh, he's telling people to come back and tell us, I am, which merely means I exist and I'm real. And uh, fortunately, the creator is pure love. So we're in good shape here. As long as we you know, believe in him and practice the one single law that he sent for us to do. If we do this one thing, 
all problems in the world get fixed. The one thing is this. Simply love one another. Everything starts to work right when we do that. I agree. I, I, I agree. That's uh, that's what a lot's missing. I mean, th think about it. We have all these wars over all over the place. Like, um, it's um, it's crazy, right? Like, it's yeah. that's one thing we can't do, right? That's like the problem. Um, we we got another comment. I've seen what you seen what you what you thought about this. Stephanie says do these UFPOP shapeshift too. She says she accidentally captured one on a film, but it changes like the drone, like a drone. An AI dragon with red fire coming out of the front. This was cloaked behind a cloud shaped like a dragon. Um, the, the one psychic I talked to mentioned that some of these aliens do shape shift. And she actually witnessed it in a, a meeting. Uh, he was training psychics, but it turns out he was not a good guy psychic. And it was pretty scary for her. And, uh, there's probably uh, more aliens out there. Have I experienced any of that? No. My life has been, for the most part, pretty boring with uh, some <laughs> occasional meetings with psychics that are definitely very interesting. And I've had uh, experiences with my guardian angels who saved my life and so forth. And, uh, but, you know, have I seen shape shifting aliens? No. Do I believe they're around? Yeah, probably. Do I have any evidence? Not not really. Just hearsay. Just what I've heard. And, and you believe it or not, based on, you know. No, but what she was saying, Mark, was do the, do the UAP shape shift? Do like the, the, the physical craft shape shift? Do you um, notice a change? Do they ever change? I, I haven't, but I think Les has talked about something the other day where one was changing color, but it's not really shape shifting. Um, I haven't seen a shape shifting UFO yet, but I have heard of them, uh, occasionally happening when you're doing something like that. That's a super highly advanced technology. Not only can they shape shift, but they can pass through solids. I've had multiple people who have been on board spaceships that I've interviewed or talked to over the internet uh, who claim that, yeah, they can easily pass through the earth and come through the other side, just take a shortcut. And, you know, how, how the mastery of being able to control matter and energy to the point where you can do something like that is almost godlike. And, <laughs> and so they have, yeah, a lot of capabilities shape-shifting should be no no problem for an advanced uh, technology yeah that's fascinating um what what, what happened you said uh, did you want to tell this story what happened when your guardian angel saved your life what happened with that it's one of the most unusual things that's that's ever happened to me you know you've watched this story the matrix you know and how you know you're living in this reality that you suddenly discover is really a dreamlike thing and and that's kind of what happened that day with me there was like a glitch that they that they could apparently have control over what was happening was it was this 
a perfectly normal day. I'm just going home, driving home in my little Honda. And um, I have this T intersection I'm coming up to. So I have to make a decision. Am I going to go left today and then go down the quiet private roads a little longer, much more peaceful or go right? A lot of traffic, a lot of lights, but it's a little shorter. And most days I just go left. So today I'm thinking, I'm thinking, just thinking, oh, yeah, I'm going to go left today. And as soon as I thought that, I heard a voice say, don't go that way. And now I'm not talking. I heard it in my mind. It was as if the person was right next to my left ear and speaking. So I whipped around because I thought there was somebody in the car and there was nobody there. And I shook my head, being kind of a scientific guy, and I said, that couldn't be. And then I said, I'm going left. And then the voice again said, don't go that way. And um, so I'm stopped at the intersection and um, thinking, and what do you think I do? You went that way. I went that way, like a fool. The fool that I am. And I've apologized and I apologize again tonight to my guardian angel for not listening because that guardian angel I've come to find out was responsible for keeping me alive to make sure I don't exit accidentally at an exit point before my time's up. But I was so curious about what happened. And I said, I got to know if this is real. So if I go that way, there's going to be some sort of calamity. So what I'm going to do is look ahead. The worst calamity I could have is a head-on collision. So I'm driving real carefully, you know, looking through the lights, looking both ways. And sure enough, about three-quarters of the way home, I'm on a big straightaway, a two-lane highway, a two-lane blacktop. And there's this truck. It's starting a pickup truck. And it's veering wildly across the road, back into my lane, all the way off the road, comes off the road, comes back on the road, all the way into my lane, off the road, swerving like a crazy man. And it's coming right at me. You know, we're coming at each other. So the van that was in front of me, he bails out and goes off into the road. And then that guy is coming right at me. I should have listened, huh? And I did. <laughs> So I guess that was real because that's a hell of a coincidence. And I have only moments to turn the wheel as hard as I can. And I dodged that guy, hitting that guy head on by inches. And I could see like in slow motion as he's going by. And then he spins out and spins around and stops in the middle of the road. Finally, after scattering cars all over the place, amazingly doesn't hit anybody. And there I am sitting in a ditch in the road there. And I'm saying, next time somebody tells you not to go that way, don't go that way. And that's how I, my life was saved. And, 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 but it was so extraordinary because a voice just came out of nowhere. <laughs> and that doesn't happen every day. That's never happened to me again. Not, not like that. I've, I've heard things, but it's usually telepathically this was like as if somebody were right next to my ear and speaking and um so that that's more for your people to hear and understand and realize that all of us 
have our guardian angels with us from the moment we're born to the moment we die. And they're looking after us. And you, most people have more than one. I, I know for sure I have two. The very first psychic I went to told me I have a man and a woman psychic that are, are advising me and, and looking after me. And each one has a different assignment. The man, as far as I am, I know, is the one in charge of my safety and need to learn to listen to him better. It was a male's voice I heard as well. So that's the story. And what you can learn from it is that you have this too, and you should learn to listen to it. Sometimes when you get that funny feeling you shouldn't do something, you probably ought to think about it twice, especially if there's any safety concerns involved. Uh, and But this, this thing, that type of story, there are loads of these stories out there. People have had this happen many times over. Guardian angels are saving people every day all over the world. Yeah, uh, but we've been going about 45 minutes. I I, 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 I got to work early tomorrow, but I wanted to go over real quick. We're not real quick, but like if you want to go over your anti-gravity, if, if, I know you're writing a paper on it. So I know you wanted to talk about it. But like, is there anything that you wanted to bring up about that? We have some time. Yeah, um, I have concerns, of course, because the theory I'm about to come out with, it's, it's simple in some ways, and very, but it's very complex to write about. And it's going to take a lot of pictures and a lot of diagrams and a lot of careful wording to get this out. But, you know, of course, I'm nervous about it because people who discover how anti-gravity work usually don't do well. <laughs> uh, yeah, the government government doesn't like that secret coming out, but um, I'm pretty sure I've worked it out, fully worked it out, and I'm working on that paper, and I'm going to uh, upload it to the internet when it's done. And uh, I made some discoveries. Thanks. I'd like to give credit to people who deserve to get the credit. Uh, Bob Lazar. His interviews that I've reviewed helped confirm my theory. He said things in there that are very subtle, that have great meaning. And uh, I know for sure he's the real deal. Thanks to his testimony about the gravity emitters and the alien technology, I was able to work out a, a problem along with him and the work of Thomas Townsend Brown. Uh, these two provided the same type of evidence that made me realize that not only is there anti-gravity, but there's a new type of gravity that's about to be discovered. And I will reveal it in, that, in my paper. It's a type of gravity. It's non-contractive gravity. It's not like the Einstein gravity or the gravity that we're all familiar with. It's a different type of gravity that puts out an attractive force, uh, but it doesn't cause inertia, uh, which is very important because you're using this gravity with anti-gravity together to pilot a UAP, a UFO or interstellar spacecraft. And it needs to have that particular type of aspect to it. Uh, and, and it's a great discovery. These the, the two together is just it's my third paper and you know 
it's as important as the second paper, which is massively important because I did describe the unified field theory and how gravity is created and what it is exactly. And that's already on ResearchGate. So I to do this would be really expanding the unified field theory, extending it and making it possible for people of Earth to build starships, to break the light speed barrier and um, to make this really a truly better world. And, and we really need this technology. And I guess that's all I'm going to say at this point. The fact that I know that there's gravity, uh, uh, gravity two, I call it, non-contractive gravity and anti-gravity should wake up some people in, in the world uh, to the fact that I know exactly what is happening, what's going on, and that the theory of super relativity is the correct theory of everything. No, that's really well said. I, I, I like that. Like that's, um, you know, um, is there anything else you wanted to cover before we go for tonight? Like, did you want to talk any more about what, what other, I wanted to ask you real quick, cause I'm a big believer in psychics as well. Like I, I really love the field of psychic. I have, I don't know if you knew this. I have a different psychic on every week, every Wednesday. I have them doing readings for people and stuff. Oh, wow. I believe that yeah. much in Psy. Yeah, I love Psy. Like, I, I really, I really believe in it. I believe that it's like a science that, I, or I believe it's something that we've always had that we, what, what, that some people are more gifted at. That, that like, that it's just not recognized by mainstream science. But mainstream science right. is a bunch of BS anyway. Like, you know, I well, mean, it's not all BS. But you know what I'm trying to say. Like, not, they don't want to recognize spirituality. Like, you right. know. Yeah, that's a big. Uh weakness in mainstream science because what i'm trying part of what i'm trying to do with the theory of super relativity is recombine science and religion or science and spirituality because science really is born from a supernatural being so it it's a subset it's it's uh it's the child of the creator and the creator is a supernatural being a spiritual being so they really you know you really need to unite science with the supernatural uh, and, and the spirit world because it's sourced from there and so you know the laws of science really come about uh, as a result as from the laws of god who, who basically he, he's told many NDE people, you know, I'm the creator and, you know, I'm the source of matter and energy. <laughs> he comes right out and says, all these laws of physics I created. And um, on, my on my website, I have a blog and there's a, a video I have on there from Dr. Rick, not Dr., uh, um, Father Rick Wendell, who talks about his near death, and God specifically tells him, and I am the creator, and he's trying to let people know, he's trying to wake up the world that God is the creator. So taking God out of <laughs> the schools and out of uh, science is uh, really backward, old school primitive thinking and uh 
this has got to be fixed because it's holding us back. The fact that we we don't, you know, try to explain things using determinism and, uh, and an objective reality that came about from the God's power of intention. Everything we see, everything that is everywhere is from the power of intention. God intended it and it became so. The universe was born that way. All the other universes were born that All the atoms and molecules and subatomic particles, all from the creator. Everything, you know, we, it's not like the Old Testament, you know, where, you know, on one day this, it's much more than that. And it's much more comprehensive than that. And the time is irrelevant because time here is an illusion and there is no time on the other side. So all things are possible. And, and, and basically that's what we have to come to realize. We have to start seeing the bigger picture and science needs to be joined back with religion because the source of all science and all laws of physics, chemistry, biology, and so forth come from the creator. That's really well said. I guess we'll finish off there. And um, well, I'm gonna. I, I have a link for your website in there. But can you tell people how to find your YouTube too? And I'll put that link in the description as well. But and anything else you want to promote? And honestly, thank you, Mark. This was a fun conversation. I, I enjoyed this a lot. I really did. You're welcome. Happy to get the message out there. We'll keep plugging away. That's part of what my life plan apparently is. So I'm just executing that life plan, trying to do what I was sent to do as you are trying to do what you were sent to do. And um, that's that's the key to happiness in life, trying to do that. So my website is www.super-relativity.com. Now there's links there to go to my YouTube page. Right on the front page, there's a bunch of buttons there. You could click on the YouTube page. It'll take you right to my channel. Or you can go to YouTube and do a search for Mark Fiorentino, and that should get you there. I don't have the link handy with me right now, but that's how you get to my YouTube channel. I invite everybody to subscribe to that so that they get updates because I put shows like this on there uh, with your permission. I'll upload yeah. this show to, to my uh, YouTube. So I have one place where all my shows are at and for posterity's sake, uh, there will be a record of what I said over the years and uh, a prediction I'll make right now before we go. We are going to discover that in the, core of the sun there is a solid neutronium core made of nothing but pure neutrons that's what caused the sun to form that's what causes all stars to form this is going to be discovered this is something that's testable and provable so you have it on this show along with other shows in the history books now i'm predicting that we're going to discover star formation comes about as a result of neutronium spheres that came from the big bang that's cool that's so cool well uh, that, wow well i want to thank everybody for tuning in tonight and uh and thank mark everybody by going to his page and signing up or subscribe to mark's channel and uh 
you know, if you want to follow me, you know, where it's all in the description, everything's going to be in the description. I'm going to fix that up. Now we did this, we decided to go live at the last minute. So I didn't, wasn't able to put everything in the description that I wanted to. So I'm going to do that now, but uh, thank you everybody for tuning in and, uh, and thank you, Mark. And, uh, and we, yeah, we'll have to do this again. Yes, definitely. Robert, this is fun. This is good information. We're getting out there. I'm going to keep working on the paper and I'll get back with you when that's done. It may be several months because it's so hard, but uh, I'll keep you up to date. All right. Uh, thanks, Mark. And uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Have a good night. And uh, 